Welcome to Ghostly. Was the Entity House haunted? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real. And my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. And as always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. We're back. We're back. This is official. <laughs> official, official. I mean, we had like a sneaky yeah, we're back. Prediction episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is a real episode. And um, so the what's been going on, I think um, we both have pretty similar things. I mean, we had a really great time at C2E2. Uh, it was amazing. You know, we like, there was like 150 people in a room with um, COVID and stuff. So <laughs> it's a little scary, but we made it. Yeah, we were on stage. So we were fine. I worry about people that attended. <laughs> but so far, I haven't heard anything. So. Well, you know, you had to be vaxxed uh, to go, or a negative test to yes, get in. So yes. it felt pretty safe. But no, it was super fun to be in front of people that yes. reacted. And I think we got some new listeners. So if that's yeah. you, welcome. We're so excited you're mm-hmm. here. New episode. And then we had another event at Ghoulish Mortals where we did an evening with Nightshade, which is a memoriam development production. Yes. And uh, it's various short films that are, you know, like kind of horror-ish. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're horror-ish. Yeah. But, I mean, they're kind of like the B-horror movies. But, I mean, come on. Those they're are still really good, right? Super, super fun. We lo- Normally, we do Nightshade as a live performance. But, obviously, in 2020 and 2021, we couldn't really do that. Yeah. So, we did short films instead. This is uh, Memoriam Development. You can visit them at memoriamdevelopment.com and learn how to access Nightshade and watch yeah. it yourself at home. Especially the Kringling. Especially the Kringling. I mean, Santa's fighting. Okay, come on. That, <laughs> that's all that needs to ever be said about well, that. Well, and you and I are both in the Kringling well, for I mean, like a few seconds. Well, I mean, come on. I, I think we were the best actors in it. <laughs> Besides that kid. Man, that kid was the awesome. The kid was really good. And uh, our... Uh, Ghostly favorite, uh, Nick Mataragas, is yes. in many of the Nightshades. So. Like, I think all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there's one big announcement that we need to make before we go anyplace else. And that is that we are launching a Patreon. It's time. It's time. Uh, so we used to use Buy Me a Coffee, but when when we started looking at things, we wanted to give back to our members that's what they call them on Buy Me a Coffee. They're, they're patrons on Patreon, which is hard to say. Patrons on Patreon. Patreon. Yes. Um, so we wanted to give back. And I didn't feel that Buy, buy Me a Coffee had enough where we could give back. Mm-hmm. We did little things, but I mean, it was never really what I wanted it to be. So, yeah, we, we launched a Patreon. It's going to be so cool. We have all kinds of things that you can do on there. There's all different kinds of tiers. Some of them allow you to get bonus content like Mm -hmm. Ghostly X. Yes. If you heard our um, predictions episode, you heard us talk about Ghostly X. We're going to be doing different episodes, different music, different feel, different everything, except it's going to be us. We're going to do interviews. We're going to be um, doing listener feedback. So if you ever voted and put some comment in there, that might be read out in those 
episodes. Hopefully that encourages you to vote yeah. and put some put some comments on there. And of course news of the news of the weird, news of the paranormal, all yes, the fun fun wait. things we can't talk about on our regular episodes. I mean we could, but they would be even longer then. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some people wouldn't mind other people would. So I mean it's it's just it's gonna be really nice. Uh there's other tiers where you can get uh episodes early. Um, that's going to be hard for us to do, but we're going to do our best <laughs> to do that. It's going to keep us on task. <laughs> There's also one you can get a ghostly button. Absolutely. And Rebecca Creepy Stories. Yeah, it's time to bring back Rebecca's Creepy Bedtime Stories. Yes. Uh, this time for Patreon um, subscribers, members, whatever, pa- patrons. They're, patrons, they're patrons yeah. on the Patreon. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to be able to bring um, more content to you guys and, and hopefully just help us meet our costs yeah we're not trying to we're not trying to be rich we are just trying to make up the cost of ghostly ghostly cost a lot of money each month and you know we're not broke but i mean it would sure be nice if ghostly was a self-sustaining thing absolutely we're very excited about this and uh we can't wait to share all this now uh what's going on in january though with this uh special show Yeah, so we are going to have two preview episodes in January of Ghostly X. Uh, The next one comes out next week. Yeah. And it'll be uh, an interview with me because we're going to feature an interview in each one of them. And the next one will be an interview with you. It's not always going to be just us interviewing each other. (laughs) It's going to be other guests, but this is a way you can get a feel for it. And I'm going to finally tell everyone the story of when I became a skeptic. Ooh. The skeptic bro you guys all have loved. <laughs> yeah, so you can check it out, see if it's something that you like, and if you like it, then we hope you become a Patreon. Well, you and can become patron a patron. Pa- patron You can become a patron on Patreon even if you don't like it. That's though. true. Yeah, you don't have to. Like, there's lots of levels and, and different things and on each level. Support and, us, you uh, know? We just really appreciate, uh, appreciate it. And um, we're excited about this new way you can support us. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into stuff here. We do have some shout-outs. Uh, there are two ways to get a shout-out on Ghostly. The first way is to give us a review on Apple Podcast, And we always prefer the five-star reviews, but we will read any and all reviews that we receive. The other way used to be the buy me a coffee thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now the second way is to become a member on Patreon. Just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on Patreon in the menu bar. We have a few different tiers to choose from ranging from $1 to $10. Yeah, this is yeah, these are not super pricey no. and you get I, we think hopefully uh, a good amount of stuff or we, what you We want to give you value for your for your dollar. There it is. That was the problem with buy buy me a coffee. I yeah. don't think we did. So uh, anyways, we do have a five-star review on Apple Podcast and I'm going to read that for you guys. Uh, it's love this podcast by FM mom FF Mom 3. That's what I'm going to go with. That's what it is. A friend saw you at E2, I'm assuming C2E2, on December 12th. That was the day we were there. It was. And told me about your show. I loved it. I love how even you are. Loving the binge listening. Awesome. That's so exciting. It's still, to me, people that binge us, I, I... like I binge podcast all the time, but it's like 
I just don't feel worthy. <laughs> it's very exciting. Well, hopefully, you know, the month of December was a nice time for everyone to, to catch up on Ghostly and we're, we're ready for new new things. Yes. Um, all right. So here are our uh, Patreon members or Patreon patrons, whatever we're calling <laughs> them. Uh, and thank you all uh, as early adopters. Uh, we have Aaron Bond, uh, Hope Guardia, uh, Rachel Wenzel, and Candy Arvin, and uh, I'm going to mention uh, a new one we got today, Austin Rivers, if that name, <laughs> last name sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, it is my brother, and we are very thankful to oh. him and to all of our ghostly patrons. Oh, so there's some nepotism going on here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right, do we have listener mail? We do have listener mail. All right. All right, so this is from Mackenzie Gorman, and it's actually going to be a two-parter. So we'll start today, and we'll finish it up next episode. Hi, currently listening to episode 68, Drury Lane, and heard your pleas for ghost stories. Your wish is my command, but my story is long. There's not a single detail I can bring myself to leave out. It's probably much too long to ever read on your podcast, but that's okay, because I'm really just sending it in for Rebecca's amusement. Thank you. Uh, And I am going to read it. We're just going to split it up. My husband recently turned me on to this podcast as we are skeptical believers and share a similar interest in the paranormal. Plus, we are also in Illinois. We always do ghost tours everywhere we go and actually dragged our families on a ghost tour on the eve of our wedding to celebrate. We are also we also made sure to reserve the third floor block of the DeSoto House Hotel Mm, in Galena, Illinois for our wedding weekend. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide if you want to look into why we chose the third floor of the hotel. Mm. If you haven't already done an episode on Galena, I highly suggest it. Yes, that is something we need to do. It is on our list. We did do a ghost tour there and it was pretty, pretty great. Uh, Anyways, my husband and I currently live in a three store, sorry, a three story historic home. The earliest we can trace its existence in newspaper archives is 1910. We moved in with our four kids in December 2019. Some context about why our home may be experiencing hauntings. We have a large backyard and at the very back of it sits railroad tracks. On the immediate opposite of the tracks sits the Sterling Steel Mill, the reason our town exists today. It's huge. It's old. It's the site of many workplace deaths over the last century. The row of homes on our block was built for the wealthy, many of which were affiliated with the mill. I'm a big history buff, so I have researched some of our homes past, and the earliest owner I can find is L.K. Wynn and his wife. They had no children, and his wife died in our home. The railroad tracks have been the site of at least one suicide in the past by last five years, and tragically, the apartment complex immediately across from our house burned down last June and resulted in the death of three people, two of which were children. It took us a long time to even acknowledge that the happenings in our home were truly unusual. For example, shortly after we had moved in, we came down to our kitchen one morning and all of the cabinets were open, even the ones that are so high we don't use them. We did the best we could to rationalize it by thinking we may have a mouse. I know a mouse can't do that, but no explanation makes sense when you are trying to explain the unexplainable. But now, as I write this in July 2021, the experiences are getting more unbelievable and more frequent. We think the force behind the increase in activity is the renovating we have been doing recently. We put up a fence around the entire backyard a few months ago, and just a few weekends ago, we removed the original cast iron claw foot tub in our bathroom and replaced it. 
along with a mirror and light fixtures. It seems like the more modernized we make the house, the more the ghost is sticking its nose in our business. Let's jump to the most recent events that have led me to start glancing over my shoulder. Last June, when the apartments burned down across the street, we were out of town. We came home just a couple of days after the incident, and immediately that night I had an experience. It was just after midnight and I woke up, not unusual for me. Laying there, I could smell a strong smell of burning wood. Being a parent and having just had neighbors die in a fire, I panicked. I ran down the stairs. I checked every inch of our house, but nothing was on fire. I ended up getting back into bed and going to sleep, only to wake up every night for the next seven nights at the exact same time to the exact same smell of burning wood. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. There was a fire across the street. Is it not possible you're just smelling that? We never smelled it during the day or even outside of our home or and our windows remained shut. I was reading a news story one morning about what was going on with the arrest made in the arson case that caused the fire and stumbled across the time the fire occurred, just after 12 a.m. I basically lost my mind. Are you kidding me? Eventually, the smell went away and I quit waking up. To be continued. Wow. There is well, more to come. Thank you, Mackenzie. <laughs> and uh, Rebecca, if somebody wants to give you a ghost story, what do they do? Oh, I please send me your ghost story. Uh, I we, we need more. We always need more. Uh, you can email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com or just use the contact form on ghostlypodcast.com. Okay. Well, I mean... It's been too long, so we can't do the polls now. So um, I mean, I no, there's always polls. And just there's always polls. All right, Rebecca, get to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you remember what our last episode was about? Because it's been a while. Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. right? And it was uh, that was a place of high strangeness. High strangeness. Yes. yes. Thank uh, you, Jack. Thank Chavez. you, Josh Abbas. <laughs> All right. So our polls were yes. 60% and wow. no 40% for paranormal activity at Skinwalker Ranch. So here's the funny thing about that is if we would have done the the episode in December, mm-hmm. I would have won. Ooh. But because we left the polls up. My believers on. made mm-hmm. it. All they right. just take a little time sometimes. You they do. Yeah, right. So get out there and vote on today's episode. All right. I will <laughs> tell you the overall rating which uh, you can now vote on how haunted you think it is. One being not haunted at all, 10 being the most haunted place ever, just like we do, except you can't do a zero like I can. Uh, It was a 5.7, which is one of our highest. That is definitely one of our most haunted. I really think it depends on what you consider the definition of paranormal to be. Like, yes, I think aliens are paranormal, but I do think that we have our own little definition going on ghostly. <laughs> you know, it's because of the episodes that we've done. So yeah. is this similar to our other episodes? No. No, but it it's, was not. it's something. So, That's what it is. Anyways, uh, yeah. So thank you all for voting. We really appreciate that. And uh, remember, you can always go vote on, on the episode that just comes out. You just have to go to ghostlypodcast.com and go to polls. Yeah. That's it. And can they see past polls? You can't vote in past polls. I haven't polls. updated that in a little bit, but I will. Okay. I will get on that. Mm-hmm. So yes, you will be able to see past polls. You can see a lot of them. Just, yeah. Just not all of them yet. Takes us a little bit to get to it, but that's okay. You I mean, be- I'm just like 
five months behind. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. But I just thought if you're binging, you know. Right? <laughs> Okay, so we are very excited to be back after our December off. Uh, we didn't just sit around, as I said, we did C2E2. We had a great panel with Scott Larson and an amazing event at Ghoulish Mortals with Memoriam Development. Also, during our break, we planned out some very spooky episodes lined up for you. And we'd like to give back to some of those cities that have helped us grow over the last few years. To do this, we are going to be looking at one of the top Five most reportedly haunted locations in each of our biggest downloaded cities. Okay, that was a lot to say. It is a lot to but say. But I think you, you did it good. So yeah. most haunted in our most downloaded cities. Cities, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, rural areas would not uh, have enough downloads to rank in that kind of yeah. thing. So I mean, definitely keep sending us suggestions. We always yeah. love those. And we're not doing this forever. This no. is this is just a new series that we're doing. It's going to be for a couple months, and then we're going to move on and do something else. Uh, first up, though, is L.A., one of our top most downloaded areas. Uh, and this is one of the scariest stories that I have ever personally heard, Rebecca. Okay. I don't know about you. It, it's pretty freaky. So... It, I mean, to me, it's really, I don't know, it's beyond freaky. It's its like, I don't know, it's spooky scared. But I i have a personal thing with this. <laughs> so as a kid, my first real horror experience was my sister showing me a movie called The Entity. Uh, I know you love horror movies, so I'm sure you've seen that one, I, right? This is one, for whatever reason, I what? haven't seen. It's oh so weird that you've seen a horror movie that I haven't seen. Oh, my God. Super weird. But I couldn't find it anywhere to to uh, to stream it. So, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you know. I, I tried to, and I couldn't find anywhere. Uh, so she played this movie for me when I was like nine or ten, and it's still something that I have nightmares about to this day. <laughs> I swear to you. <laughs> This is not the more modern movie called The Entity. Uh, this is the one from 1982 or 1983 because I'm really old. Uh, it, it's starring Barbara Hershey, Ron Silver, George Coe, and David Labiosa. Uh, so I had no idea that this movie was based upon a real-life event. Uh, now, I am sure there is a lot of the movie... That has been fictionalized. Uh, yes. Um, you know, like actually some of the things I remember from the movie not even talked about in the story. So I'm sure those were fictionalized. And there is no streaming service where we could get this movie. So I am basing this part entirely about my memories of the movie. <laughs> so that that gets a little weird there then. Yeah. Um, but we thought we should look at the real life side and not so much the movie. And I do want to start this off, though by giving a potential warning to anyone that may be triggered by high scariness or talking about rape or extreme violence uh, as the story involves all of that. Yeah, so if, the, if that's not for you, this may be the time to just, you know, move ahead a little bit till you get to the end. and Or then... just, just move forward with extreme caution. There you go, yeah. yes. All right, so that brings us to the ghost story. All right. It's time for a spooky tale from Rebecca. Nighttime 
is the hardest. Our family has experienced paranormal activity for years, and the night is always the worst. Since we've moved to a new house, it happens more during the day than it used to, but after dark, it's still the worst. I've seen posters pulled off the wall by no one. I get pushed by something when I walk down the hall. It happens to both my brothers, too. It's like you're at school and somebody is bumping into you in a crowded hallway, but there's no one there. Yesterday, Brian said something slapped him when he told it to stop. How do you fight something you can't see? It's hard not to just get used to it sometimes. Cupboards open and close themselves. The other day we had investigators here and a skillet flew out from the cupboard. (laughs) That was definitely overboard. I think having all these people here talking to it and trying to take pictures just makes it all worse. As I said, though, the nights are bad. Last week, I heard my mom screaming in her room, blood curdling, screaming. It's happened before, but this was louder and worse. When I went in to try and help her, something grabbed me and threw me across the room. I still have the bruises. I think we're going to try to move and see if it goes away, but I don't think it will. It seems to like our family too much. Wow, okay. So how much of that is based on any kind of reality? Uh, Almost all of it. Almost all of it, okay. Yeah, those are all reports from um, uh, one of the sons living in the house. Nice. I I never found the son's names, actually. I only found one name. Yeah, Brian? Brian. Okay. Um, I never found any, actually, so... mm. Uh, in my research, okay, you know, the skeptic people don't like to talk about names. I was say, I guess. just in case you guys don't know, I mean, mm-hmm. we do not. I mean, we might share websites on occasion. If I yeah. find something I think you might find interesting, I'll share it with you. Just yeah. to, and I, I do the same for you. Yeah, and and you may or may not use it. That's not, that's on you know. But we we don't do the same research. Like no. it's separate. It's totally separate. <laughs> And it's totally at different times, too, when we should be, you know, we should be done at the same time. We're never done at the same time. Yeah, but that's, it's good, though. We get, we get all the stuff then. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a short break and we will return with the Pat Facts. We are excited to announce a new way you can support Ghostly, joining us on Patreon. There are many reasons to become a patron. Not only are you helping Ghostly cover its own cost, but you can get Ghostly episodes early. You can get up to 25% off Ghostly gear. Get a shout out on the next episode. You can get a priority request for a new episode. Get more Rebecca's creepy bedtime stories. And the biggest news, you can get exclusive content with our new show called Ghostly X for the weeks that Ghostly does not have a new episode. As well as many more cool rewards that we can't wait to share with our patrons. So please, help us become the podcast that we've always wanted to be. You can sign up by going to ghostlypodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon link on the menu bar.
All right, Rebecca, are you ready for the hashtag pet facts? Pet facts! <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the Entity House. It is located at 11547 Braddock Drive in a suburb of L.A. called Culver City. Uh, this house is still there, right? It's still at that location, but it does have new residents in there. Okay. So I think it might be okay to drive by the house, maybe snap a picture or two. Um, but I do want to ask that you are very respectful of its current occupants that have absolutely nothing to do with this story. <laughs> uh, they bought what they what they thought was a very nice looking little house. Okay. Okay. Be nice out there, everybody. So, yeah, just, you know, just be as nice as you would want people to be to you. There you go. So this house is pretty nice now. But back in the 70s, it was not so nice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was, in fact, twice condemned by the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how bad it was. The living conditions were not good at all. But in this condemned house lived a single mother with four children. The daughter was six years old, and the sons were 10, 13, and 16. The mother was a woman named Doris Bither. All that I can find of a description of her is that she was thin and probably around 30-something when this, when this happened. Um, it's really like I am pretty positive that was her name. But besides that, they really don't get into too many details. Well, they do, but about her mental state, not well, about her Right. There physical. are some pictures of her, but it's still hard to see her. It is really hard to see. Yeah, those pictures are not great pictures for that. Mm-hmm. I am not sure what happened to the father of these children. Uh, actually, I found out that every child had a different father. Oh. Um, but the movie would make you believe that one of those fathers was her husband and then that person died. Mm, okay. Um, because the movie kind of implied that it was her husband, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, and he was causing the paranormal events. But I do not find anything supporting this when I do a detailed dive into the story. In fact, the story has contradicting information about it. Yeah, no, nothing I read said anything implying that it was a, someone that she knew or yeah. the father or anything. Yeah. Uh, Doris walked into a bookstore and overheard a talk at a book signing. The book was written by Dr. Barry Taff and his associate, Carrie Gaynor. Doris went up to them and said that her house was haunted. She went in some detail, and they said that they would talk about it and get back to her, right? And most of the time when that happens, they never get back to them. Right? <laughs> but Dr. Taff and Gaynor decided that they wanted to do this investigation and arrived at the house on August 22nd of 1974. Ooh. Uh, the investigators reported a feeling of overpressure in their ears while being inside the home. Yeah, they definitely sensed something. Maybe. <laughs> uh, from I definitely think that they felt that they said yes, something. There you go. We're not starting the debate yet, though. <laughs> uh, from looking deeper into Doris, she was a survivor of abuse, both from her parents, and she had several abusive relationships with men. Uh, in some reports, she was taking medication either because of injuries caused from the abuse or from a psychiatrist to treat the PTSD that she was having. Mm, okay. There was obvious tension between the three young boys and the mother. The psychodynamics of the home were extremely negative. 
It seems that the boys, especially the eldest, would harbor some dark and resentful feelings towards their mother. Now, I am going to say that Brian, he did do an interview with uh, uh, someone um, that, that I, of course, the name is escaping me right now, but I will remember it. Um, but anyways, he he tried to clear the air and claim that none of that was true, that she, you know, they had a great relationship and she was, you know, didn't have any issues. <laughs> well, at the time, this is what was reported by the paranormal investigators. Exactly. So. I, I, I find that more credible than what he has said years later. Well, I mean- But I just want to put that out there. Think about this too, is the paranormal investigators were there a lot, but they weren't there often. And you have visitors in your house. Usually that's when everyone's on their best behavior. Right. So they were on their best behavior and they still thought that there was something going on. Exactly. Exactly. So just, I just want to put that out there. So Doris claimed that the spirits would physically harm her. Um, Talking with researchers, Doris Bither made the following claims. Candelabras were thrown at her. A fuse box was ripped out of the wall and flew through the air towards Doris. Doris claimed that she was attacked repeatedly by the entities, from mild assault to full-on rapes. Her teenage son witnessed Doris being attacked by an unseen entity. When the son went to aid Doris during attacks, something unseen flung him back with great force. I believe at one time he broke his arm, too. Yeah. Um, During the investigation, Doris claimed she witnessed poster boards the researchers had put up with duct tape for the purpose of the investigation being torn off the wall by unseen hands. The children also saw the ghost. Um, They saw him so frequently that they named one of them Mr. Who's It. (laughs) That took (laughs) me a minute. But like you can be like, "Uh, Mr. Uh, Who's It. Yeah, exactly. The oldest son reported uh, activity intensified when he played the music of Black Sabbath. Okay. You know, Osborne. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Doris had bruises on her legs and inner thighs from the attacks. The children also experienced encounters with the entities who bumped into them in the hallways and even slapped them. So she claimed that the three spirits would visit her at night and two of the, the smaller ones would hold her down while the larger of them would rape her. Uh, Taff and Gaynor at first didn't believe the rape allegations. I'm not sure if they ever really totally believed it. Um, But then Doris showed them that she had bruises on her inner thigh and all over her body, and people outside of her family supported these claims. Doris claimed that the ghosts were of Asian men. Yeah, it's a little weird. I will say when I read Taff, like more recent writing, yeah. he he does not buy some of the rape stuff. But what we'll get into it more with our debate, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, it is interesting that they other people were backing up her story. I to suppose, me, but to me, at that moment, it's not their job to decide whether or not they believe right. her. It's their job to document mm-hmm. and to investigate. Yeah. So to me, I mean, if you're going to be a paranormal investigator, you have to take everything seriously. I I would say. Yeah. Um, That's why I'm not a paranormal investigator. Yeah. And again, I don't know why she thought they were Asian, but I don't know. I mean, I never I read no anything idea. about that. Um, and then there was also some claim. Um, uh, did you read about a woman who came to talk to them when they first no. moved in? No. So supposedly, again, I don't know why, but a Mexican woman 
came to their door when they first moved into the house and was okay. like, this is a bad house. You should this be be warned, basically, mm. that it's parent, it's haunted. Yeah. Again. I don't know why race is such a big deal. I don't know what's going on, but there you I go. I mean, you're in, you're in LA. There's all the races there. And, yeah. You know, it's like to identify one as one when you don't have to doesn't make any sense to I guess me, but... I I wish there was some backup of why they yeah. th- felt this but anyways this it's I I did not find any I just found that there and you go. I'm like I'm just reporting the facts here there you so go. Taff and Gainer set up a bunch of high speed cameras this is the 70s though by the way <laughs> they're not the high speed cameras we have today just so you know True uh and have photographers as well as other investigators there to capture audio So in a famous report, all investigators and equipment, as well as Doris, were in a small bedroom. So this is hard for me to imagine. So cramped and anxious to see any paranormal activity, they decided to have Doris conjure up the beings by having her call them. Doris did this by swearing and yelling at the spirits because that was her thing. (laughs) She would swear and yell at them. (laughs) And as yelling intensified, a greenish mist materialized in one of the corners. Now, you have to remember that there were 20 or 30 people. Maybe. That's what reports say. Yeah. There were 20 or 30 people. I've seen people. anything from 10 to Still, 30. That is a lot of people for a small bedroom. It is. Yeah. That's true. Um, of all these pictures, none of them show anything that they were talking about, like the green mist thing. There's no pictures of that. Even though you had several professional photographers and investigators, some of the pictures show an arc trail of light, but this could be from several flashes going off at one time. We'll talk about that during we'll the debate, We'll talk I'm about sure. it, yes. Dr. Taff said that the eldest son told him the activities would intensify when he played certain music. So I was telling you, like Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Anything that mentions the devil or devil worshiping, which Black Sabbath doesn't do that all that much. I mean, maybe occasionally, yeah. but uh, but it would upset the, the poltergeist, if we're calling it a poltergeist. Uh, Dr. Taff asked him to play the music, and the orb or arc in light did increase. So I, it doesn't say by how much <laughs> or anything like that, but it did intensify. Gotcha. So the, in, the investigative team observed lights and poltergeist activity for about two and a half months. Okay. All in this small bedroom. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, as time went by, the activities decreased, though. Mm. One thing that needs to be noted, though, Doris was considered to be an alcoholic and refused to get treatment for this. And reports say that she was kind of, a, she was kind of an abusive person. And especially when she was drinking, which was an everyday thing for her. There were times that she was there that she was not drunk. Um, And in those times, there was a lot less spirit activity going on. Uh, She was reported on many occasions of being in a drunken stupor during most of the investigation, though. The activity was only really seen when Doris was there. When Doris would leave, it would stop almost immediately. And she had the ability to call upon these spirits almost on cue. She could just conjure them. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the investigation, Doris packed up and left California. 
She went to Texas with her children eventually. She went to a couple places in California first and eventually ended up in Texas. Um, but she maintained a level of communication with the investigators. All activity stopped at the home when she left. Owners since then have never reported anything happening. So Doris said that the spirits followed her and her family every place that she went. Now, here's where things get a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now they're going to get weird. Yes, yes. (laughs) So Doris uh, claimed that the spirit impregnated her. Okay. Um, But medical tests do not show this to be true. Uh, Sometime after this, she stopped contacting the investigators. And some people have speculated that she gave birth to a demon baby. (laughs) Maybe it was the devil baby that was at the whole house. Uh, But this cannot be confirmed. None of her children have spoken about this at at that point. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Um, And Doris cannot speak about it because she passed away in 1999. Mm. Uh, Betty White just died. I know. It's so sad. See, in 99 brought that out i'm mm-hmm. sorry uh, i cannot find a cause of death or next of of kin names or anything like that except mm-hmm. you said brian that's the first i'm hearing of that yeah um reviewing the case four decades later investigator benjamin radford concluded the case likely involves a de- distressed family poor investigation techniques and confirmation bias uh is this the debate part i have to say my spots here <laughs> And an analysis of the photographs attribute the result to common photographic mistakes, uh, such as thin object close to the camera or accidentally manipulating the exposure dial. Uh, In the case of the 35 millimeter pictures, mishaps in the development process may yield results similar to what is shown. Even if those mistakes are discounted, none of the lighter areas on the photographs are consistent with the trail, a moving light would leave on a photographic material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so therefore, they're not a normal thing that would come up on a well, f- photograph. I'm just stating the past. <laughs> These are what, what, what were found on common sites, not just skeptic sites. Oh, okay. So these mm-hmm. are these are common details that I need Those to Those last two paragraphs were not in any of the common materials that I read. Oh, okay. Do you, <laughs> do you disagree with them? Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about those more <laughs> as we get to our end and our debate. All right. Well, let's take a break and then we will get right to the debate. All right. Hello, ghostly listeners. Rebecca here. It's been a while since I've read you a creepy bedtime story, but it's time to bring this spine-tingling good time back. Join me on Patreon for exclusive new readings of classic ghost stories. Every month, I'll be reading frightening tales from my favorite authors, a perfect way to go to sleep with the sweetest, most terrifying dreams. Join Ghostly's new Patreon by visiting ghostlypodcast.com and clicking on Patreon on the menu bar so you don't miss any of my creepy bedtime stories. Talk to you soon.
back and it's time for the debate, Rebecca. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> elephant um, in the room. Okay. Doris claiming that she was attacked repeatedly by these entities. Uh, from mild attacks to full-on rape, right? That's kind yes. of the big, the big, yes. big one. You know, her teenage son claimed to witness Doris being attacked mm -hmm. by an unseen entity. She claimed that two smaller entities, as you said, would hold her down while the large one attacked her. Uh, and the researchers say they saw bruises on her inner thighs, which for them confirmed these attacks. Um, all right. Why don't you start? You want to start? With this one? Yeah, you know, I don't know. It is it is super hard to prove that a ghost raped somebody. You know, it's... Um, it's hard to prove sometimes that a person raped another person. Yeah, but sometimes there's physical evidence. Sure, that is sometimes. There, you know, and this there is, you know, none except for the bruises. And so there's a couple of questions that I would have is she the type of person that bruises easily? Mm -hmm. uh, some people do, right? Some people bruise if they just touch something, you know, they will bruise. Mm -hmm. um, and some people don't. So uh, that would be one area that I would start off with. But another thing that I would bring up is her drinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what kind of bouts she had when she was drinking, you know. Um, so I don't know. And I'm not, I, I don't want to discredit her for this, but there's no way we can debate this because it's just there's, there's no way to prove this or disprove it. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, and I and I don't I don't necessarily want to say that I disbelieve that she was attacked by an entity of some sort, because I do think there were pol there's poltergeist activity. But the physical assault piece of it. I find difficult to believe. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is because, again, reading um, the investigators, even now, you know, when they look back at it, they don't believe that it was necessarily rape. Again, okay. ass assault, physical manifestations, poltergeists, those things potentially, but, but this actual rape piece, again, um, you know, the drinking and, yeah. you know, the, who knows what was happening in that house? Well, you know? a very dark thing that I heard is the comparison that there were three entities to the three boys. Yeah. Two being smaller, one being bigger. And I'm not saying it, that the boy raped her necessarily, but there could have been abuse from the children. Um, so I don't know. And I know that, you know, there has been reports of their relationship being, um, not great. And let's say, for instance, let's say, for instance, that we believe that, okay, just for one second, let's say we believe it, then we have to discount Brian's interview then because he could have been one of the attackers, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, I, I've also heard that, uh, you know, again, she that right with the drinking and, and mental instability and and part of that, too, being maybe she was abusive to the boys. Again, not necessarily like sexual abuse, but just 
physical abuse and, and who knows abuse. Yeah. once the boys once the children get older mm-hmm. sometimes that abuse then comes back at the abuser yeah and um her parents were abusers so it's a pattern of it's abuse it's a cycle it is and um i hope that anybody out there that is experiencing any kind of abuse or um might consider themselves an abuser i hope you go get help um, that is the way to stop this pattern of abuse so you don't push it to your children yeah, you know, absolutely. Or, or others around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am going to have to, I don't, I don't even know how to rate this one. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go zero though, because, um, although the son did say that he saw it, but if he was part of it and I'm not sure if he was or wasn't, then wouldn't he say that? I mean, it's like, so I'm going to have to go zero. I would typically give this one a one because there was no way to prove or disprove. But it's just, this is something that's like not a very common thing that happens too. Yeah. Again, I'm going to, I'm I'm giving it a three. That's where I thought you were going to go. But you sounded like you were going to go four there for a I was for a moment. And then I was like, no, no, no. Because again, for this, I am not talking about her just getting like attacked by a poltergeist. Like we're specifically talking about like her phys- the physical rape, rape yes. attacks. Yes. And I just don't believe there's enough evidence for it um, to be paranormal. And, and okay. who knows? I, I, ah, I hate doing that, but I, yeah. that's where we're at. All right. All right. Uh, next piece of evidence is uh, the photographs. Yes. So, you know, you talked a little bit about that already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, just kind of to go through some of the story here that I, this is Dr. Taff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was interviewed mm-hmm. uh, on a TV show and this is the story he told. Um, so they were in the in the house, in, in that small bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they took Polaroid. They look like to me. I said Polaroid photos because that's what they looked like. They did have a Polaroid camera with them. Yeah. So that's yeah. what he was showing was these Polaroids. Yeah. And they were white, whited out. Like it was like white, white. Like you could see there was something. It was o- overexposed. Over. Yeah. O- overexposed. Right. Yeah. And so uh, he he did. He took a couple of them because she was saying, "Hey, it's over there in the mm-hmm. corner of the room." So he's like, "Whatever. This camera is obviously messed up." When she left, then he took photos of that corner and they turned out fine. They were like, I mean, it was, uh, you know. So then when she came back in the room, she then said it was right in front of her face. Again, took a couple photos and they were whited out again. Um, A little bit later, when the entity was no longer there, they took, uh, took a photo again of her and it was fine. You can see her. Yeah, I mean, there's some scratches on it, but they say that was their own doing mm-hmm. of, of it. So, um, you know, there is also the ARC photo, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yeah. Um, famous that, photo that's the this. famous photo of it. The only so, one that really surfaces when you look for photos of this. Yeah. The other ones I could not find anywhere other than in this video where yeah. he shared the physical photos. So, so yeah, they brought a lot of uh, camera equipment with them. And uh, the 35 millimeter camera that cameras that they had were not functioning the way that they would expect. Yeah, they so did not. They weren't broken. They just they just were not able to capture anything nope. at all. Um, and a lot of times the pictures were un- unusable. And that could be because of the developing um, the, the way that they developed the photos, too. They could have been um, they, they could have had light exposed to them during that time as well. 
I don't know for sure. Um, but I, I will say that they did bring a Polaroid camera with, and that's the one that they used primarily for this because of that. Yes. And um, one thing I, I can tell you about um, 70s cameras, you probably don't remember this, but they were all like always had the flash. <laughs> it was like flash crazy. Uh, a, a Polaroid camera is um, not these high-end cameras that they're talking about. So I'm just thinking that in order to have a thing where you're going to bring out these entities, the lights probably have to be pretty low. Polaroid cameras are not good in low light conditions. Uh, I could show you a hundred other pictures where things mess up in a Polaroid picture. Uh, So to me, this doesn't really say anything. Um, and the one that they had uh, was o- overexposed. The ones that you were saying were like white. That's an that's just being o- overexposed. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was anything there. I just find it odd that when she left the room, that overexposure didn't happen. Well, it def- and it happened that happened two different times. I mean, when she left the room, there's not as many people taking pictures at the same time. And there's not as many flashes going on at the same time. So Taff might have walked over there by himself and took a picture, and that would have been one camera with one flash. Mm. And it would have produced a much different result than numerous cameras going off one right after the other with the light bouncing off. I guess maybe. I don't know. That seems a bit weird. Seems a Seems a bit weird to me. What seems, do you think of the arc photo? It seems like science. That's what it seems I like. I don't. I don't. I, 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 the arc photo, can, it seems like it is a... Um, it is a defect caused from the actual um, photographer taking the picture. It just seems weird because like when you were like reading earlier, it said um, none of the lighter areas in the photographs are consistent with a trail of moving light would leave on photographic material. Meaning like to me, I read that as like, hey, uh, you know, this is not normal on a camera. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's normal, but I think it is that they messed up. That's what I think it is. And this can be reproduced too. If light moves very quickly, that would cause that. And what they say though is that it doesn't bounce off the wall. So the light the light wasn't there. It was no. in the picture. Yeah, it was it was well, it wasn't there cuz it was paranormal. No, it was in the picture itself. It was it was on the film of the picture. It wasn't in the room. So it's not something you would witness the light bouncing off the wall then. It is something that it's a it's a light and it's moving the camera very very fast. I don't know. It seems very creepy, this arc. There's two arcs. It's really um, weird. I tell you, any photographer looking at these pictures will tell you the same thing that I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so what's your rating? Uh, zero. Okay, I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Photographs were a bit convincing for me. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, so this you also mentioned in your um, story, uh, your pat facts. Yes. Um, at one point, the lights in the bedroom came together and formed the upper, upper torso of a man appearing near Doris and moving as a human would move. I did not mention that. Oh, I thought you did. No. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My brain remembered you saying that. Yes. Yeah, so there is a point where um, there were all like two dozen people in the room, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. Um, and they all 
witnessed this happening, that it was like an outline of a man. It looked like a very muscular person, bald. Um, and this included the person, a person who was in the room is uh, Frank um, D. Felita, who wrote the book, The Entity, and uh, I think was at least a partial writer of the script for the movie. Um, obviously embellished some things for those things. Uh, but anyways, they, um, yeah, this was something seen by several people. Yeah. Um, first, and people know where I'm going to go with this, is that they all have a vested interest in this case. They all are going to be making money from this case. But that's not just where I'm going to go with. I, I would want to ask more questions. So it says that this light formed uh, the upper torso of a man appearing near Doris and moving as a human would move. But I wonder how long this light lasted for. Was it like a second? Was it like minutes? Was it you know, was it something that could be recreated? Is it something that um, there's just not enough information in this particular piece of evidence to be able to go off of to say anything about this? Because this is just, I mean, there's been times I've been in a darkened room and light plays a trick on you and you think it looks like something that it's not. I think I, the reason that I have trouble going with just that is the sheer number of people yeah. and they wouldn't have all been looking like it's one thing to say like, well, sitting here and looking at the there was a bit of smoke that came in or whatever and and there was the light. And so it looked like a person. But like that would only be from my angle. I mean, they all witnessed this. I don't my guess is that it didn't last very long. But when they compared notes after everyone had the same description uh, and it just seems very odd to me yeah, that I'm thinking one person said, hey, look at that. So they all wrote that down. I think that they all want to prove paranormal activity here. Paranormal investigations were much different in the 70s than they are today. We are talking, this is 50 years ago. What? No. Yeah. Yes, it is. When That's not possible. Do Listen, the math, Rebecca. <laughs> what is this, 74? 74. We're, we're in 2022 right now. All right, so not quite 50 years, but really close. Oh, my God, two years shy. That's insane. And I'm going to round up on that. So this is 50 years ago. Their investigation techniques are much different than they were... Um, than they are today. Not that I believe them today, even. <laughs> I was going to say. But well, I'm just and I saying, don't think that most of these people made any money on any of this. I uh, think. The guy that wrote the book did. Oh, he, he wrote, did. He wrote a script for the movie. Sure. Uh, I'm sure that they got a piece of something there. Mm. So I, you What's know your what? rating? I'm going to have to go zero again on this one. All right. This one's, uh, this one is an eight for me. Okay. This is my, this was big for me. All right. So next up we have the children. So um, that as we, we both, uh, I think I talked about it, my story, I know, and I think you mentioned it as well, um, that the children um, said that they also had experiences with the entities. Um, not only did they witness things and all of that around the house, but that they were bumped into in the hallways and one claimed to even have been slapped by an entity. Okay. So let's take this back to when we were talking about the rape one. If the children are abusing the mother, then maybe to, you know, maybe as um, like a retaliation or something like that, they would go along with their mom's crazy story. 
of, yes, there was definitely stuff in here because we didn't do anything. And that's why she got all these bruises. And that's why that happened. Not us. But these are them getting hit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure she didn't just sit there and take it. I mean, I'm sure she fought back and she probably slapped them and they want to keep going with this story because they don't want to incriminate against themselves. So I'm going to have to go really, really low on this one. Okay. Now, to me, I, I, you know, I don't, ah, it's difficult, but I, there's enough, um, I feel like the, there was enough with, with the investigators witnessing different things that I feel like there was something in the house and it is very possible that it was doing some physical attacks against, um, the whole family, um, so to me, this is a little bit different than just the the with the mom kind of escalating the claims, you know, um, maybe the slap is a bit of an a- a escalation of it. Um, but do I think there was a lot of negativity in this house and therefore there were there was um, manifestations of poltergeist activity? I do. Uh, and I think that was part of what what they were feeling. Well, if you. If you don't believe the mom when it comes to the rape, you have to suspect something because why would she lie about that but tell the truth about everything else? Well, I, you know, again, I, I'm not, I am not a an, an all or nothing person. I am, I live in the gray. I love the gray. I don't need things to be one or one or the other. We all live in the gray to some extent. <laughs> well, that's for me. Uh, to, you Mine know, is just a much lighter shade of gray. There than you yours. go. Yeah, this is much darker. Or I would say the opposite, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, no, I. You know, for me, it's. Uh, I think sometimes you can escalate things, and especially if you're drinking, you know, who knows what where your brain goes. But um, if you I, discredit the mother. Because of the rape, you have to discredit a lot of these things then. And it discredits the children as well because they went along with it. Again, though, I don't know that it wasn't negativity bringing this energy in and those things happening. So, all right, what's your your rating? I'm going to say zero. Um, And it's because, I'm sorry, you lie about something. I suspect everything then. All right. Uh, For me, this one is a, it is a six. Okay. Let's let me let me try something on you here. Okay. okay. Close your eyes one second. Okay. So let's say you're buying a car. Okay. And you really, really want this car. Really, really like it. And as you're doing a test drive, the muffler falls off. <laughs> okay. And they say, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, the muffler fell off, but that's the only thing wrong with the car. Do you buy that car? Uh, so I would definitely probably not buy that car. Exactly, because everything is suspect then. But here's the thing. When it comes to, I wouldn't buy any car like that without having it, like a used car, I assume we're talking about in this case. Doesn't matter. Um, any car. that Without it being, you know, checked out by some other, like a secondary person, right? But, I mean, you have to have that. And so in this case... But are you going to take it to a mechanic then because you want the car so bad? Or do you no depends. longer want the car? Because the, the muffler fell off as you were testing. I don't know if you've been in the car market lately, but there are mm-hmm. not a lot of cars to be had right now. Okay. So, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. 
You did it yourself, though. You said no, you wouldn't buy the car. Well, part of it so is when you discredit one thing, when one thing is a lie, it's all. So if if I then. find out that you've lied about anything ever, then you should I suspect should just, me. But okay. that but does that mean that I'm gonna like? Does so does that mean that I will never ever ever believe anything that you ever say? No, but it means you should um, suspect things. You should be more cautious. And that's what I'm being here is more cautious and saying that the sons might have been, it might have been abuse both ways because that is kind of what I've heard in the underbelly of this is that (laughs) um, it could have went both ways. So if it's going both ways, then the children are going to collaborate with their mom's story. Maybe. Uh, But I I guess, and this is getting a little bit into my next piece, but you know, the, the fact that what I, what I would look for then in that situation, again, is that third party, which in this case is the investigators. And the investigators did believe, um, they didn't necessarily believe the rape part, but they did believe some of the other pieces because they saw it themselves. But that's like, okay, that's like the car analogy thing, and you want to take it to a mechanic, and they say, yeah, you can take it to our mechanic, because that mechanic is making money based upon your sale, too. So if you take it to somebody else, I mean, that's you paying the money, but this is it's pretty much saying that they're making money based upon these stories. And in the 70s, this was something totally different. As I said... These are people that are writing books and movies and stuff like that about this event. Though the one guy did. They could make a whole career off of this one event. Potentially. I think we have an an outsized opinion of how much money people make in this industry. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. We have one more piece of evidence. They want to live on easy street. Easy street. There you go. We have one more piece of evidence here. Um, so, uh, and this is something that I mentioned in my story um, during the first interview with the investigators conducted with Doris's teenage son in the kitchen. The cabinets were flung open, pots and pans fell violently uh, out of the cabinets without anyone touching them. This is actually very similar to our ghost story that we had today, our listener mail. Yeah. Um, so again, this is the investigator saying this is what happened to them. This is not just saying like, oh, well, the the, the son says this happened. Like they no, witnessed During the it. interview, the investigators conducted with Doris. So the investigators uh, with Doris's teenage son. So the investigators interviewed the teenage son and are reporting back to us what he said. No, no, no. This is they claim... While they were interviewing him in the kitchen, the door, the cabinet doors opened and the things fell, came out. They physically saw this happen. This happened to them. It was while they were conducting I an see. interview. Okay. Um, well, I will say that this house is twice condemned. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the um, stability of anything in the house when it's condemned. Um, I, I think it is unusual. But uh, again, there's no evidence to support this except for the investigators. And I believe that they have a bias in this because they could potentially make money. And even if they don't make money on this, they could potentially see this as something that's going to be helping them make money. So I don't necessarily believe it. A lot of investigators nowadays go into these things and they, they do not charge the people like, I'm sure Doris wasn't being charged for this investigation. And, um, but most of them do that because they just want to do that kind of investigation in that particular place. But these people, 
I think they see this as a big case that they can make very popular. Well, I think they actually, according to them, they didn't really think it was much of anything. They didn't really believe her. They thought well, she then was... How did they not believe her after cabinets were flung open, pots and pans well, fell violently? No, no, no. Well, let me finish what oh, I was saying, okay. which is at the beginning, they yeah. almost didn't go to the house because yeah. they were like, this woman's obviously not right in the head. This doesn't seem right. All right, we'll go and we'll check it out. And then this kind of stuff happened. And they were like, oh, <laughs> I guess something is going on here. I guess we'll stay. And we'll we'll see what's going on. Yeah. So, what's I, your what's your number? I'm gonna have to go. Um, I I guess I'm gonna give it a one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. I want to give it a zero, but I've been giving zeros to everything else, and I feel like there should be a one in here somewhere. All right, so. that's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna give this a seven. A seven. Uh, okay. It's up there for me. All right, but that's still not very high for in Rebecca's standards. That's pretty much even keel <laughs> for you. Not necessarily. <laughs> okay, so what was your overall rating then of this? So my overall rating for this one is a six. Six, even though you had a three. Yeah, but I also had an eight. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, I had eight and a seven. So okay. I had and I had three. So I'm going in the, in the middle with you the six. You love those pictures. I like the of pictures stuff and, and uh, the investigators' reports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about for you? Uh, I'm going to have to go zero on the overall. Okay. <laughs> um, because I do not believe any of this because it's sus. You have to admit that it's a little sus if there is one fabrication going on. Listen to you pulling out the Gen Z terminology <laughs> here. Uh, I think we own that term now, so I, I don't <laughs> think they're using it currently. That's probably true. Once the old start using it, it's yeah. uh, it's definitely... <laughs> so that brings us to our God. closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep Rebecca honest. Hey. So, Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready. All right, and Go. All right. So I do think there is a little bit of something to this entity. I, I I do think there was an entity haunting of Doris and this family um at during this time. I don't think that the house is haunted now. Um I but I do think that there was a lot of sadness, there was a lot of pain, there was a lot of alcohol abuse, there was potentially Again, physical thing, you know, fights happening in the house. And you know what? I absolutely on every level think that could manifest itself into poltergeist energy. That doesn't mean a spirit necessarily. It doesn't mean it's even a necessarily an entity. I mean, it's some sort of entity that was kind of created by their their energy. Um, maybe that's kind of what formed in a crazy moment in that bedroom. But um, it, it could be a, an, an actual spirit i suppose of some sort but there was some sort of paranormalness okay so you have to discard the ness at the oh, end of okay that, so. <laughs> so listeners it's just paranormal okay some sort of paranormal okay <laughs> are you ready i am ready yes okay here we go and go all right so i think that the claims um of the of of her being impregnated by the ghost, um, pushed this to a level that I can't come back from. I think that, and that came from Taff too. Uh, Taff reported that. So uh, I, I'm sorry. I 
I can't believe it. When we talk about the rape, it's impossible to prove. I really think that the sons might have something to do with this, unfortunately. So I discredit them as well. The investigators are sus because, I mean, they potentially could be making a career off of this now. Um, So, I mean, for them to bring 30 people into this, they have to suspect there's going to be money being made. And I can't buy it. Sorry. Wow, you had some time left. Yeah, I did. There you go. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. Remember to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. And if you haven't done so, really? Are you seriously waiting for? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, So, oh man, we have a lot more in our most haunted series to be talking about. So we will be talking about the House of Death in New York City. Wow. New York City. New York City. (laughs) Uh, That'll be on the next episode that comes out January 19th. But before that episode, as Rebecca had mentioned, we want to give you a preview of Ghostly X. So next week, we will release an episode where I'm going to be interviewed by Rebecca I have, geez, that's going to be brutal as to how am I a skeptic and have had all of this paranormal stuff happen to me? This is a question for the ages, listeners that we (laughs) need answers to. And I have them. (laughs) I have them. I think they're pretty decent. Um, But you might not agree with me after it. Uh, I don't want to make skeptics, though. So, um, so yes, you do. If you, you know, (laughs) want to stay a believer and you don't want to. You don't want to see that the Wizard of Oz is not the wizard. Um, you might want to take caution on that episode. As oh well. no, it's going to be fun! It's going to be fun. We can't wait to to have you uh, listen to it, and I can't wait for the House of Death. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm scared of both the House of Death and being under the spotlight from you. All right. Are, is this going to be like some kind of like crime thing? Are you going to be like, where were you on the night of? <laughs> are you going to shine a light in my no, face? No, no. It's going to be a very nice interview or something. because then you are going to be interviewing me. So oh, yes, uh, I'm hoping yes. that will uh, you'll be kind back. Okay. Well, good thing that, you know, that mutual I'm destruction. First, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but until next time, stay ghostly. Bye. <laughs>